Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. I was wondering if we should begin our inspection. They seem to have accomplished their goal. The the digging that they're doing now is purely for show. As you pull up, you are you are greeted by the archaeologist um, who comes over and introduces himself as Brooks Galbraith. Well, given the nature of the the damage that's here and the circumstances, uh, do you mind if we just take a take a peek around ourselves? I suspect that they that they found something, or that they were corrupted by something. Frankly, we're facing dwindling attendance numbers in Romania's beloved museums, finest in the world, and anything that's sort of potentially scandalous or interesting would be immensely valuable for us to sort of draw people back and get them, you know, into our exhibits. I want to know how you are doing it specifically, that's why we're here. Brooks, pal, here's what I see. You know, I know there were times when us good Romanian people were trying to step away from all the Dracula and vampires and all of that stuff. But let me tell you, it's a moneymaker. You hear kind of a, a heated conversation and Brooks kind of wins the day and he, sa- he, he says, wait until dawn tomorrow morning and we'll bring the blood up and see what we can do to uh, revivify it. Tuscany region, Italy, May 10th, 2009. Elizabeth Davies had gotten lucky. When she had met her boyfriend outside his parents' bookstore in Tuscany, she had found him cute. The more she got to know him, the more she enjoyed his company, and so she stayed. She hadn't really thought she was looking for companionship, but she realized she was lonely, and Fabio had helped. But she never thought, not for one second, that he would be useful. When things had started to get serious with Fabio, she realized that she'd have to continue the charade as a professor and Dante scholar. That hadn't been a problem, though. She had plenty of time to research and make sure that she knew what she was supposed to. She also had to accept that she'd go by Elizabeth more frequently. She preferred Billy, but only a few people used that name, and Fabio couldn't be one of them. Billy was her favorite of the names she'd used through the years. She liked it even more than her original one. But Elizabeth would have to do. But now, fate had played its hand. Elizabeth started to suspect something when Fabio had returned from one of his urgent provincial business trips, their cute little code for when he was out doing something covert. Oh, she knew about his history, knew what he was capable of, and knew when he was called out to use his particular set of skills. But when she overheard him talking about diverted blood shipments, she thought that somehow, some way, he had gotten tangled up in her business. That had been almost a year ago, and Elizabeth had been using that time to think. He hadn't been called out on urgent provincial business since then, which was good for her, because she really did like him, and that made the decision she had to make even more difficult. He hadn't traveled, that is, until today. Just when she was beginning to think that she'd have to figure out a way to fake a trip herself, he walked into their villa, told her that he'd been called away, kissed her on the cheek, and left. Elizabeth knew this was her window. She'd have to report in, or she wouldn't. If she failed to share the information she had now, with Fabio gone, she wouldn't be able to make any excuses. It would be seen as a betrayal, and rightfully so. That's what it would be. Elizabeth walked out of the villa she shared with Fabio and down the street. It was dark now, but she was sure that a few people would still be walking around. There were few places safer than the area where Fabio had grown up, and people enjoyed the coolness of the night air. She passed an older couple out for an evening stroll and stopped for a second, considering. She decided to move on, though, and continued walking, heading just outside the village. She saw up ahead that another person from the village, a young man she thought worked at the local bakery, had decided to come this way too. Perfect. Elizabeth knew she had a decision to make about Fabio, a decision that would affect both their futures irrevocably. But first, she had another problem to take care of. She had to feed, and the young baker was the perfect meal.
So when we were ending the last episode, we were talking a little bit about Gavin's... I keep wanting to say Monty, but uh, but Gavin's um, penchant for conspiracy theories, uh, that he's got a whole list of them, the ones that he believes, the, one that he, the ones that he doesn't believe. And at risk of going down a, a dangerous and problematic path, if we can put our, put, our, put our own morals aside around whether all conspiracy theories are actually dangerous, um, which may, may in fact be true... Do any of you have a favorite conspiracy theory, like in real life, um, one that you just find interesting or like fun to think about or anything like that? Yeah, totally. I yeah, I, I'm not gonna like come here and be like, I believe in this thing. Like, I, I'm not gonna do that. But I do. I love the whole Area 51 stuff. I think that's great. Like the the whole yeah. the crash and the government site and the you know all of that business. And it's like there is some sort of like secret like secretive government facility that's near there that you can't you're not supposed to go to i don't know that that means they're storing alien bodies there but like i love that all of that stuff i think that's a lot of fun like very very interesting yeah tommy i know that you've played well and actually chris you've played too delta green ah yes in the in the whole backstory of delta green like there's there's a lot going on with roswell and area 51 and kind of what is actually true there, um, which I, mm-hmm. I just love. I, I love I love conspiracies, but I also love when things like games or movies or books take one and give me an answer, even if it obviously is not the real answer. Like I just I enjoy kind of thinking about what are the implications if there is a particular answer to one of those things. Yeah, it's one of the best parts of Independence Day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Be like, oh, that's not entirely accurate. And then they cut to visiting the Area 51 facility. That's uh, so good. Yeah. I don't think I have... I can't think of any conspiracy theories that I particularly ascribe to. I you don't, don't you're know. Not like, you're not big into Bigfoot or... <laughs> or I can go uh, down the list that I made for my character. Loch <laughs> Monster, how do you feel? <laughs> Bigfoot. Ghosts. I think Bigfoot is actually my favorite, even though I know it's like <laughs> generic, but I think Bigfoot and similar like cryptid stuff. Cryptid like, stuff, yeah, totally. Like Mothman and that kind of like <laughs> like like all of that I I just love especially Bigfoot, like the there's always the vague, tiny sense of plausibility for you where you just get enough little yeah. nuggets that just maybe but also like I, I remember when I was a little kid I saw I think it was in search of was the show like this old yes. show uh in search of yes and they, they had like a bigfoot episode and i was absolutely terrified by it um <laughs> especially because i remember them mentioning specifically that he was tall enough to see through a second story window and as a little kid i was like well great nowhere is safe this is it <laughs> like, bigfoot is going to look in on you while you sleep exactly yeah yeah, yeah. not even my bedroom the safest place on earth <laughs> you know how, how like too when it, when it's dark and like you can't really see out well if the lights are on it was exactly mm-hmm. stuff like that you're like you catch like a little glimpse of something and it's like a, a you're tree afraid branch. that a face is just gonna suddenly appear at the window exactly. type of situation yep. yeah and bigfoot kind of fit all of those but also i just feel like the lore and the like the well-documented hoax or not hoax history is like really interesting and there's just like a lot to work with there yeah. Yeah, I mean come on, Katie, you and you and Chris are both you both grew up in New Jersey. Like you're not a you're not a Jersey Devil fan. You didn't you didn't ever <laughs> yeah. you never go do a deep dive into the Jersey Devil. <laughs> I mean, I I definitely did a de- I'll I'll go down internet rabbit holes for sure. But I never <laughs> come out the other end and think, "Oh, this is this could be real." <laughs> now I'm convinced. <laughs> I remember Chris, you, you're you're talking about that TV show. Made me think of this. There was a TV show which was not about conspiracy theories. It was about ancient things, but it was called Digging for the Truth on the History Channel. And they did a lot about Atlantis. And I loved all of the like theories about where the story of Atlantis came from and what was actually true. Which is like kind of conspiracy theory, but not not really. It's more just like weird ancient history theories. My friends from college are currently obsessed with the birds aren't real conspiracy. Um, which did get, it got a feature in the New York Times recently, but are you aware of the birds aren't real conspiracy? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> uh, Katie, do you know the birds aren't I'm real? Not, I'm not familiar. Yeah, so so basically, and I, I don't know this as well as some other people that I'm friends with know it, but basically that, that at a certain point in the past, the government 
killed all of the birds in the world and replaced them with um, kind of surveillance robots. Um, and, and so all of the birds that we see are actually watching you and, and tracking your movements. And okay. Okay. It's so good. It's such a good, like, it's so out there. It's the best. Do they have a good accounting for why there are so many surveillance robots? Like, <laughs> like, like an order of magnitude too And why far. they keep slamming into my damn windows. <laughs> I'm sure that they do. I'm sure they do. My favorite thing about this is one of our friends actually like signed up for their mailing list to just like see what would come of it. And they were having an event in Chicago, and he lives in Chicago, and they were having an event in Chicago, and so he got some information about it. And they were very COVID conscious. So for, as conspiracies oh. go, like he, he, they, you know, they, they, they wanted to make sure you were vaccinated if you were going to come to the event and, <laughs> and all of that. So I appreciate that at least from my conspiracy. <laughs> Definitely, it becomes the question of: Is it a conspiracy where everyone's in on the joke and having fun, or are there a few people who are believers? And then you get to that, like, are all conspiracy theories dangerous question. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because it seems like the type of one where it, where people are mostly in it for the fun, but, like, I, you can't be sure. Yeah, yeah. There's enough flat earthers and stuff out there that it's just, like, people could buy into anything. All right, so let's, let's, uh, let's get started uh, again. So as we left um, our agents, you are... Uh, Staking out um, a a mining slash archaeological dig site in the Carpathian Mountains in Transylvania, and you have you have just seen that the the people pulled out a coffin from underground. You went in and faked to faked being Romanian officials and and did some interviewing of the the archaeologist at the dig site, Brooks Galbraith, and. And you left, you were able to kind of plant an explosive device down there to maybe cause a distraction in the future, and then also plant a, a, a bit of a surveillance bug, your own your own fake bird, if you will. And um, <laughs> you, you just heard over the surveillance bug that, that the archaeologist Galbraith has convinced his fellow leaders of the dig site that they are going to wait until dawn, bring up the blood to where you presume the coffin is and see what they can do to revivify it. Um, and that is where we left things last time. It's getting close to, you know, dusk Dusk is starting to fall here. And you now know that you, th you think that you have until the morning to make some decision and to do something about this coffin. Otherwise, uh, the people at this dig site are going to try to revivify whatever it is that's in that coffin. There's no way that the it that they are going to revivify is like some sort of sainted body who's going to bring peace and joy to the earth. I think, <laughs> I think that this is absolutely going to be very dangerous and bad. Seems very likely. So do we, I suppose at first I was thinking we could destroy the blood supply, but they could always get more. I think that's part of what the, all the diversions of the ship containers with blood have been part of probably. Right. So, we have to destroy whatever's in the coffin so that it can't be revivified. That seems like our best bet. I guess the only question with the blood is if it's worth a delay of some sort. Like, would they have to, you know, would it take them some time to go get more and we could figure more out? Or do we think it's not even worth bothering? I think we have to make one strike here because yeah. if we destroy the blood, then they know something's up. They probably extract the coffin instead of leaving it here to do the experiment here. So I think we aim for the coffin. Yeah, that sounds good to me. So I think with Gavin's vampirology, you would have at least some idea of at least what the legends would tell you would be, you know, ways of permanently killing a vampire. If you think that what is in there is a vampire you would have at least some sense of what's necessary to be able to do that. You know, and th there, there are lots of different vampiric traditions through the years, but there are, you know, a few things that kind of rise to the surface as the most common um, and important ways of killing a vampire. Totally incinerating the body could be one of those ways. Fabio. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I like some arson. Yeah. It's right up my alley. <laughs> Though, it depend, yeah, depending on what the nature of that incineration would be, if it was, you know, a, a kind of a longer process rather than a than a faster process, you may need to somehow keep the vampire in the flames because if it didn't immediately kill it, it would potentially wake it up. And so you could, you know, you, you think that you could do that in a, in a few ways as well, like put some things around that would block it from movement or stake it through the heart and keep it in its keep it in its place though staking it through the heart you know in some in some in some myths that says that it kills vampires and others it says it just keeps it in place can't move if it's if it's staked through the heart and then you also you know another one of the common things that they that that legends say you can do to kill vampires um, and this I believe specifically is what they do in Dracula is to cut off the head of the vampire and fill its mouth with garlic. Right. Hmm. Gruesome. Though that certainly puts you closer to closer to the thing that you may not want to be <laughs> you may not want to be particularly close to. So we I mean I feel like that addresses another concern which is that based on what we heard I was under the assumption that the vampire would not awaken unless the blood was given to it but it sounds like, it seems like we, based on the legends anyway, we may be under threat from this vampire when we start to try to destroy it, regardless of if it's had the blood or not. Maybe the blood would make it stronger, so it might be easier to deal with if it doesn't have, you know, blood given to it or something, but it seems like we may be fighting something supernatural regardless. Mm. Luckily, I brought my stakes with me. <laughs> Ha <laughs> I <laughs> legitimately may have been like if I knew vampire like I if I need to make a roll for it that's fine but I, I feel like I may have already planned on bringing like a, a steak or two with me just in case type of a thing or some garlic or something. Yeah, I think for you, I would call it like a preparedness difficulty two, which means if you just okay. want to spend one point of preparedness, it's an automatic success. Yeah, I have five and I haven't spent any. Sure, I'll spend a point of preparedness. Yeah, so you you've got you've got steaks, you've got you've got some garlic. You probably have a you probably have a crucifix. You know, maybe a bottle of holy water or something like that. You, you probably have you know kind of your your standard vampire fare. Blessed by the Pope himself, or at least that's what the guy <laughs> who sold it to me told me. So. <laughs> Why, um, if, based on what we know about vampires and what we've heard from this bug, why do we think they're trying to revivify it at dawn, as opposed to, like, mm -hmm. you know, in the middle of the night when it will potentially That's a good question. wake up and function? And we know the other ones were avoiding the sunlight, while well, the ones, wh whatever beings we encountered were avoiding the sunlight. I wonder if, perhaps, they can control it if it's awake at in in the morning if they can remove the the lid of the coffin use the blood as a transfusion but keep it near sunlight such that it can't get out of the box it can't like basically it's locked down and under their control because it's daytime and it, it can't mm -hmm. move around much without risk of being destroyed possibly one thing I also want to kind of point out, this is both kind of in and out of game, right? Is that even though Gavin has this vamp vampirology knowledge, right? You don't, act, none of you actually have any real experience with anything that is actually a vampire in this world, mm -hmm, right? The, mm -hmm. the, the closest thing that you have to that is your experience with the two people who attacked you in Marrakesh, right? And so... Mm -hmm. At least at this point, all of the knowledge that Gavin has is based on legend and, you know, theories and, you know, all of that rather than any actual fact. The only thing that you actually witnessed was that the two people that attacked you in Marrakesh were at least trying to avoid sunlight or direct sunlight. But it doesn't it also doesn't seem like that, you know, they didn't they didn't like begin immediately melting when any ray of sun caught them either and they also right, right. bled and you know were wounded and all of those things and one of them died with a bullet through the head and so right you know you don't mm -hmm. know you don't know what relationship they have to you know actual vampires you don't still don't know for sure that actual vampires exist and like 
being confident about anything about like what kind of powers they have or what slows them down or stops them or kills them like it's all it's it's guesswork at this point yeah it's all right. just theories okay well we know we need to infiltrate we know we need to try to access this coffin destroy the thing that is inside it and we know we may need to prepare ourselves for a scuffle so what kind of preparation do we want to do for all of those things demolitions man <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean well, i guess we've established i kind of have like whatever explosives i could plausibly carry already right like what was it class one and two or something like that and anything else is a bridge too far to be bringing up to this area yeah i mean so you you have access to basically like pipe bombs like foam explosives and like dynamite basically mm -hmm. right that's the like dynamite is like the class two explosives what you don't have access to is like a rocket launcher or you know like so something like that um, but you definitely have access you at least have the the tools to or the materials to build something like that where does um like a napalm fall on that list i'm assuming that's maybe like class three just something that burns a long time yeah, I think that I think that would be class three. But you do think that like there's definitely stuff down at camp that would serve as a as an accelerant, right? Like you could you could acquire you know there's there's fuel for the mm -hmm. for the heavy machinery. There's probably alcohol down there. Like there's definitely things that you could use to kind of add to the explosion to make it burn longer and and harder. Okay. Yeah. Could I take some time? Just to, to actually, you know, just so I have them ready to basically build these explosives. And, you know, they're not, like, really ready. I don't want to blow myself up, but as ready as possible <laughs> that I don't have to spend time mid-combat cobbling together explosives. <laughs> yes, yes, you can definitely do that. So, yeah, you, you, were, you were prepared for this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say that you, um, yeah, you can, you can put together some, basically some kind of makeshift dynamite. Okay. Which you think is probably the strongest of the strongest of the strongest thing that you have available to you. Okay. And as far as um like weapons go, is it just like, you know, light pistol, the other the stuff we had previously, or is, did we have an opportunity to stock up a little bit more? Yeah, I think you probably like I you know, I think that Teddy has shown a penchant for using a rifle in the past, so you probably have a rifle and I would say that, you know, you, Fabio, probably have at least a medium pistol as well. Okay. You may not have been, you probably weren't carrying it into camp yesterday, but, but I don't know. I mean, under the puffy jacket, who can say? Though would they have picked you out for specifically <laughs> Italian if you had worn the puffy jacket in the, in the, in the, like, warm Romanian? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I think I was probably wearing something else just for, yeah. for the act. <laughs> you weren't happy about it, but you wore something else. <laughs> no, something eclectic, like the, like a, a a bla a tweed blazer or something. You know, like it fits yeah. like a museum's guy. <laughs> Patches on the elbows, the whole yeah, situation. Exactly. <laughs> a proper academic, you know. You also you got a sense from Brooks that if in his in his uh in his natural habitat he would have been wearing a tweed jacket as well. Ah, yeah, of course. I, I knew we had a lot in common. <laughs> you guys are really connected. <laughs> Fabio's really been in on this thing the whole time. Uh oh. <laughs> Just to make money yeah. off of Romanian tourists. <laughs> so, do we want to? Um, I guess the question is, how do we go about destroying this thing? Do we want to plant plant the explosives under the coffin? Do we want to open the lid and plant the explosives in the coffin? Well, I was th the coffin's metal, correct? Yeah, it's the coffin. Based on what you were able to see, which was which was not super clearly, but like you kind of saw it from a distance. It's a metal coffin, but it's not like a, it's not like an iron lined box, right? Like it was. That's what I was imagining. It, it was down there a long time ago. This is not something that was recently placed there. So yes, it's metal, but it's not like it's not heavy metal. It just isn't wood. Hmm. You think that the dynamite would would easily get through this thing if it's if it is what you think it is. Like if, if it's if it's actually as old as it seems to be, the dynamite would go right through it. Okay. And maybe we come prepared for any of those eventualities. Like, I could be, like, the dynamite fire option. We have the stakes. We have all of that 
maybe garlic. <laughs> yeah, I, I almost wanted to ask if we could, if we, if you wanted to combine the options under the pretense that possibly the steak might just hold the thing down, open the oh. lid, steak, and then explode. But that might be, maybe that's too many things. Maybe that runs the risk of it getting out before we blow it up. I'm not sure. Yeah, I want, oh, I guess we would be right there. I was going to say, I wonder if we like, you know, wire it to blow and then try the steak. And if it starts to do something, just blow it. But I think we'd kill ourselves. I'm imagining a steak (laughs) that has the little like cartoon wires coming off of it, going to a big TNT lever. Exactly. (laughs) Just steak and push down. I like this. Wait, so we're so we're doing the steak attached to a cartoon TNT? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm 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 really anything. If we if we just want to plant explosives around or under the thing and blow it up, great. If we want to try going for open the coffin steak, move away quickly and blow it up or something like that, I'm good with whatever options. Well, Fabio, do you have your MOS still? What is your MOS? Yeah, it's explosive devices. So. If we're able to locate it and just plant it, theoretically. That's true, actually. I like that idea. The explosion would definitely come off clean in that in that instance. But it, it, it oh, will not, not necessarily. Well, it will it will not change, you know, I, I I know what all of these things will do. It will not it will not change kind of the the effect that it has on whatever is in that coffin, but it would certainly right. go off clean. <laughs> My MOS is driving, so can we hook it to the back of a monster truck and just, like, <laughs> drag it? <laughs> What's, um, what is the bigger bang, like, special thing with explosive devices again? Oh, that's a great question. Let me look real quick. Feels like that may be relevant at this juncture. All right, bigger bang. If your explosive devices rating is eight or more, you may spend three points from your explosive devices pool to add an extra die of damage to an explosive charge that you set or six points to add two extra dice of damage. Excellent. Okay, I'm going to be keeping that in mind. <laughs> yeah, so you can make mm-hmm. a big old bang. Yeah. Yeah, if there's anyone we really, really need to deal with, maybe that's uh, the route to go. <laughs> so I think, you know, you can you can play it by ear a little bit, but I think my, my main question is, is there anything that you want to try to acquire from camp in addition to just getting to the coffin without being seen. Do you, would would it be useful to you, Fabio, to have the f- some of the fuel? Um, like if we got if we were able to get some of the gas or whatever the you know diesel that they're using from the construction equipment and use that as part of your um, explosive idea. Honestly, now that I now that I asked that question. I think because you have this bigger bang ability, I don't think that you need it. I think that you, I think that you can use the materials you have. Maybe you, maybe you brought some accelerants with you that you have to, kind of increase the firepower for just a situation like this one. Um, so okay. you probably don't need it. You probably have what you already need. Yeah, that's that's fine then. I'm I'm wondering if there's anything else, but I feel like the risk feels high, going into mm-hmm. camp again. Yeah. In that case, maybe we just sneak in and go there directly. I like it. I'm okay with that plan. All right. So, in a in a more general sense, which route do you think you want to take to get to where you where you think this coffin is? Our understanding of the terrain layout was that we couldn't. There was no sort of back way in to where those mud muddy tracks were leading, right? But there's it's basically kind of closed off. There's no trail back there. Mm. You mm-hmm. could potentially like traverse through the like through the hills. Which may be, you know, difficult, but you could potentially traverse through the hills and try to find your way to where the back entrance is. Or you can try to stay on the path and do it very, you know, do it sneakily. Or kind of next to the path, if that makes sense. Do any of us feel comfortable doing that if we wanted to take the hills route instead of going sort of more through the camp? I think I'm okay with either. I think that would be outdoor survival. Hmm. Oh. I do not have that. I don't either. Oh, I do. I have one in outdoor survival, so I'm 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 good for a hike. As a as an Uppsala local who loves her outdoor activities, I do um, love my outdoor activities. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I think that I think if you wanted to do a spend of one in the in outdoor survival, you could kind of lead the group through the hills and make the uh, make the infiltration attempt um, a little bit easier. Excellent. I like that. I like that. It feels safer to me than trying to actually go through the camp where more people probably are. 
Definitely. All right, so this is this is going to be an, an infiltration roll. We're going to do it as a cooperation since there are three of you working together. So one of you is going to lead, and the other two are going to follow um, whoever it is that's leading. This doesn't necessarily need to be Teddy because Teddy's kind of helping you get through the hills, and then the infiltration is kind of getting to the coffin. You know, there, there's going to be there's going to come a time when you are are at least closer, more easily seen or heard. And so one person's going to lead, the other two will follow. The followers will each spend one point in infiltration if they can. There's, if you can't, there's there's other rules for it. And then the lead person can spend as many as they want to to add to the role. The one from each of the followers does not get added to the role. That's just kind of a consequence of of following along. So I have eight. Ah, you're our in- infiltration expert, huh? I'm thinking I might want to lead and spend heavily. <laughs> <laughs> Also, before we get started on this, does anyone need a health refresh? Can I do that before we go into a possible battle? Yeah, how, how's everybody doing health-wise? You could you could spend a little more time doing first aid to just kind of make sure that everybody is fully ready to go. I'm at five out of seven, so a little bump would be nice. Yeah, I'm at six out of seven, so I'm, I'm close to full. But if if you want to spend the point, and I wouldn't I wouldn't object. And what are you at, Teddy? I'm at six of nine. I have one that I could spend to heal you, too. She's a, like a shooting expert, so <laughs> that's probably wise. Yeah, I'll, I'll spend that then. Appreciate it, Fabio. So, Eric, it's a one-to-one ad, right? No, it's a it's a one-to-two if you're healing other people. Um, Got so it. So his, his one point will heal you, too, and your, one po- your points for each of them will heal them, too. Okay. If you want to get your... Cause, so I assume you'll do... One for Fabio, which gets him up to full. One for Gavin, which gets him up to full. And then you're one off. If you want to spend one more for yourself, that would get you to full also, because it's it's a one-to-one if you're doing it on yourself. So that's up to you. Perfect. All right, so I'll do that. So one for everyone from me. Thank you. No problem. Yes, thank you. Um, And so just help me remember, Fabio, that you're still shaken, and so... Remember that your your difficulty your uh, your difficulty level is um, is is one higher in, in all in all checks, and you can't spend any investigative points. But you are all fully healed, and you you start to make your way, led by Teddy, through the hills, kind of around the side. You know, it's it's getting to be very late at night now. You know, it's it's probably eleven or twelve at night. It's very dark. There's not a lot not a lot of movement happening in the camp. Um, and you, you kind of hike your way through the hills, trying to be as quiet as you possibly can. It's eerie. You know, it's not surprising to you that, you know, kind of these horrific legends were were based in this area. Because, you know, kind of in the hills, it gets, it gets quiet and the wind blows in eerie ways. But you make your way through and you come out to what you think is the road um, that kind of connects to the mud path and this seems to be the area where they may have left some things you don't see the coffin um necessarily but you do see it looks like there's some other things that were stashed up here that they maybe didn't want the the uh your your team when you came in as as government officials to see and so teddy and gavin are each going to spend one of their infiltration points to join in in this in this cooperation fabio how many how many uh, infiltration points do you want to spend, knowing that your difficulty is one higher than it normally would be? And, and I don't know the difficulty of the roll. No, but I, I will. So I will. I will remind you that four is average, six is quite difficult, and eight is, you know, like nearly impossible. Only impossible for the for the best of the best. What do you guys think? I was thinking of spending four just because I have the penalty. It would be half of my infiltration, but. I think you could go for it. I don't know how much more infiltrating we'll be needing to do on this mission, so four or even five if you want. That's what I'm thinking, too. Yep. And remember that for you, those numbers would be five, seven, and nine, rather than four, six, and eight. Yep. I'll spend five. Okay. So I'll go down to three, and I will roll a total of seven. All right. So you all kind of make your way out of the, out of the brush next to the road and uh, work your way up. You pass by... There's there's a, a team of four armed guards that are kind of guarding the mud path down below. You see them. They don't seem to turn around. You walk past them, and you kind of come around uh, to an area, and you do see the coffin 
sitting there. <laughs> I think that five was exactly what you needed to spend. Yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> um, is there anyone around? The, is it just sort of sitting there in the open? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it it is, and it it's this is not like a you don't see any sign of like what what Brooks had been, Mister Galbraith had been talking about with like a helicopter landing spot. Like this is it's it's like very rugged. There's rocks and trees and things all over the place, and so you know, I think they think that the guards down below they don't really expect anyone to be coming through the mountains because they don't really expect that anybody knows like the, what they're looking for they don't they don't know that there's a target and so as long as nobody goes through those guards then they think that this is kind of a safe place for things to be stored hmm. so the helipad thing was bullshit all right just a cover story and i i kind of want to go check out the coffin we're here <laughs> mm-hmm. if we can do it if we can do it quietly um, sure. I, yeah. I would say we probably don't want to take the lid off, though, unless we're prepared to st- stake a vampire. I think you're right. Yeah, so you, you go over there, you look. The the metal is very old. It does not seem to... It, it does not seem like it would hold up to much. But if it had been wood, it would have totally decomposed already at this point. So, you know, it, it is... It looks very old. It looks centuries old. It looks sealed shut. Like, it's not like there's a... It's not like there's a hatch that you can open or hinges or anything like that. It, it does look like if you wanted to open it, you would have to, like, take some tools to it to open it. And there's no writing or anything on it. Do we plant explosives in and around it now? Move back and, and set it off? And I know that's a lot to accomplish with armed guards in the area, but if they're not looking... If their eyes are trained more down the path and they're not looking at the coffin frequently then we might be able to pull this off and just just to be just to be clear they're they're looking into camp you are you are kind of walking behind their backs just okay. so that you kind of have okay. the picture sure not that they can't turn around if they <laughs> certainly certainly want to but well yeah okay. they would definitely hear the explosives but they are at least not <laughs> well, watching yeah i mean you do once this. it's set off <laughs> i'm a little less concerned once it's set off if we can kind of i this is a question this is something i don't know how far away fobs can you set off your explosives far enough <laughs> yeah you, you would you would be able to be back in the like back in your kind of pre pre infiltration um area so you can be back into the hills if you wanted to be and we have that other explosive out there so if we need to distract them before we do this i guess we could use that or it's very true we could see if they might run down towards that which would give us more time to get away from here Eric, did you say is there are there any other like little buildings or facilities or anything right around this spot where the coffin is or no? No, it, it's really like just kind of like a just an open. Yeah, okay. it's not open. It's like it's like trees and rubble and things. It's just like a it's a place okay. for them to hide, basically for them to hide what they want to okay. hide. So it's coffin guards a little ways down the path, and that's basically it. Yeah, otherwise you're you're mostly in the wilderness. Okay. Is there anything around where we could reinforce the coffin lid? Oh, you mean like just like keep it weighted down? Yeah. Yeah, there there's rocks that you could put on top of it if you wanted to. I don't know, maybe Teddy grabs some rocks and <laughs> I don't know how particularly strong she is, but I don't think she wants whatever is in there getting out. Or at least want to you want to slow it down a little bit and, and <laughs> Yeah. And, at least. Yeah. Rocks on top, explosives from around and underneath and it just kind of like I don't know how that would work physically, but I'm imagining that could help kind of even with the thing blowing up, it might keep you know, if it if that doesn't kill it, it might it might work. It might keep it impaired or contained in some way. All right. So that so it sounds like that's the plan. Um, so w- tell me, walk me through the order of operations that you want to go through. You know, the rocks are there. I'm gonna I'm gonna have you kind of set up the explosive devices and, and give me a give me a check for that as well, or use your MOS to to kind of make sure that that goes off smoothly. Uh, but walk me through now that once everything is planted. What what's the what what are the steps here? What what's the order of operations that happens here? We need an escape route we can get you know get from quickly, right? So I think if we have our escape route planned out, then it'll be set off the explosives in the camp. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, just enough time for them to clear off down the road. Set off the explosion. Yeah, well, do we need to verify the thing inside is destroyed? Thinking we might. Hmm. 
<laughs> We're going to get chased by a vampire through the wilderness. <laughs> this does not sound fun. We're going to have to deal with armed guards then if we are try if we need need to verify it. I I can't decide too like if if it won't necessarily kill but would damage whatever is in the coffin. Like let's say that's an objective for us. Is it worth using my bigger bang to do as much damage to it at the first go as I possibly can? I mean, I or, think so. I think I think you sink everything into it, just hopefully destroy it in one go. Or is there a chance that somehow this kind of thing is not actually going to damage it all that much, and it would be wasteful? Not sure. I lean towards go big with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and hope. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm, I agree. So the plan is to set off the explosive down in the camp. Presumably that gets the guards distracted. And then we set off the the explosive with near the coffin. And then do we just watch from a safe distance? I don't know what that might mean in the wilderness, but... To see if someone rises from the coffin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a good idea, though. We may want like to that. just... Yeah, we may just want to observe to see what happens from there. And... Have plan A, B, observe, and then leave and get out of there if we feel like it's we've done what we set out to do. And if there's some sort of wrinkle, we can, you know, take it from there instead if we need to. I feel, too, like if we're sort of hiding up the way, a safe distance away, it may not be immediately obvious to the other guards and people like that what, who did this, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I kind of like that. Okay. So the escape route would be the way that we came in? I think so. I think if we've kind of mapped, like, feel comfortable navigating the same area that we came down to get here, that would make sense. And then kind of make your way back to your vehicle and get the hell out of Romania. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that that all makes sense to me. I mean, and I also think that you would, you know, you probably would think that with... You know, you probably have some some high tech binoculars slash like night vision binoculars, plus the flames from the from the explosion. Like you think at a, at a safe distance with the binoculars or with like with Gavin's camera, you'll be able to like see whether the body is there and starts moving around or whether it's been destroyed. Right after mm-hmm. you know after after the flames at least die down to a degree so that you can actually see. Okay. All right, so All I think right. the I think the plan is in place. Um, are you going to Fabio? Are you going to spend the full six to get the the two the basically like triple damage um, from your from your explosive? Just three to do, to get double damage, or what's 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 the thought here with the with the bigger bang? And I can as long as I have the points, I can use it again, right? So if I used three, I could then use three a second time. Not on this particular explosion, on, an, on a different explosion. On a different one, yeah. Yes. Because I have other explosives on me, right? So if we're fighting a bunch of guys and I wanted to sort of Looney Tunes-esque light a <laughs> stick of dynamite and just toss it into the mix, like, yes, yes, I could, you could do that. It. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So I'm, I'm tempted to just use three points just so that I have it again. Because I feel like this isn't quite the end of the road for us. Sure. But I don't know. Whatever you want to do, I'm. I'm. We back you 100. percent Yeah. Whatever you decide. So I'll do. I'll do that. I'll spend just three. So I'm okay. down to five. Sounds good. And then, do you want to? Do you want to spend anything on the check, or do you want to use your MOS to make sure that this one goes off? I'd like to use my MOS to make sure that this one goes off. <laughs> it seems important. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Another, I think, important moment in, in the uh, in the scenario to use an MOS, uh, just like the last <laughs> one. Yep. All right. So you you kind of set up all of the explosives. Um, you have you have uh, remote detonators for both the one in camp and the the one around the coffin. You're very confident that you know which is which. Um, which is obviously important. Um, <laughs> no, make me a make me a preparedness roll to make sure that you <laughs> you distinguish between the two. No. Oh no. So you know, you, the three of you kind of move back um, in a position where you know through binoculars or a camera you can at least see the guards. You can see the coffin, and Fabio detonates the the in camp explosive. Um, and, you know, and this one was this one was a little bit more for show. Um, it was it was not as much to do damage and more to distract. And 
it goes off. It's really loud because that was kind of the point of it. Um, you see it. You see a loud flash in the area of the camp, and you watch the guards, and they they start running into camp. And so then, are we triggering plan the next step in the plan, which is to to explode the explode the coffin? Let's yeah. do it. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> All right. So you you trigger the second remote detonation, and an even larger though probably just as loud because the purpose is not to uh, not to make um, more noise than is necessary, but just a massive, massive explosion erupts around the coffin. Anything else that was up there is instantly incinerated. You see the trees nearby start to kind of light on fire and... You know, you're hearing you're hearing shouts from the camp as this other explosion goes off. You don't see any other people yet, but you you're you know you know that they heard it. Obviously, they heard it and they saw it, and you can't quite tell yet because there are still too many flames. Whether whether whatever you know whether the the coffin and whatever was inside was incinerated yet. Do you do you hold? Hmm. Not really sure what else we would do. Like I I don't feel great about just running in right now. <laughs> No, no. Uh, I'm. I think we. I think it's we either hold or we leave without knowing. Uh, so yeah, let's hold. Yeah. let's yeah. hold. All right. So, so you wait another. You wait another few few moments. You don't see anyone yet, but you feel like you hear that there are people starting to move back in your direction. You also see that the flames are starting to kind of, you know, kind of move from tree to tree in this area. And it's not like it's a full-on forest, so it's not like you're going to be totally overrun by flames immediately, but they're definitely it's definitely starting to spread in both directions, including kind of in the area that your that your escape path will will lead you towards. And it's still like there's just so many flames. You're starting to kind of make out maybe what was the remains of the coffin. But it's still you, you. You wouldn't say that you're a hundred percent sure yet. We might, we might need to get out of here. I don't want to be. I, I'm less, honestly, less concerned about the people finding us uh, as much as I am by the encroaching fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that seems to be a serious Ooh. threat right now. <laughs> yeah. Setting off an explosion, a giant <laughs> explosion in a forested area. I think I at least mentioned the trees two times, so I feel you, good you, enough. Yes, that. no, you yeah. did. You, you did. It's fine. You, you let us know. <laughs> Trying to think of anything. I mean, there's nothing in Fabio's background as you know. He's now an arson investigator. He was he an arsonist that might be useful for this encroaching flames situation. Is there? <laughs> yeah, you're. There's definitely nothing you can do about it, but if you want to give me, you can give me an explosive devices roll to try to judge whether you have another 15 seconds or not to be able to wait. Would I be able to use sense trouble instead? Uh, yeah, I I, I support that. Though it, it would it's a, it's a little less specific, so I think it'll be a little bit harder of a check. Ah, uh, that's tough. I mean, and there, there's really no consequences of failure here other than you're not, you just aren't sure. Oh, that's true. Uh, I'll do sense trouble and I'll spend three. I have four, so don't feel like I'm going to need, uh, I feel like our trouble is pretty clear right now. <laughs> it's been sense, yes. <laughs> uh, there's trouble afoot. <laughs> I rolled. Right. Total is an eight. The roll, the roll is an eight. Um, yeah, you think you have... 15 seconds and then you got to get the hell out of there but you can you can you can hold for one more beat if you want let's do it why not yeah yeah all right like Fabio just like puts his hand on our shoulders just like <laughs> just for another few seconds <laughs> second. <laughs> and so you hold you pause i'm sure you know all three of your hearts are just pounding in your chest right now just waiting to see some sign Maybe, maybe even expecting to see that that it didn't work like you wanted it to. You know, some sort of movement coming out of the flames. You start to hear the people. You know, the the guards, and in fact, you see a couple of guards start to make their way up the mud path toward this explosion. And it seems like there are more probably following them, more than just the four that were there. And the you know the fire continues to burn through the forest uh, around you, and you look at the coffin and the flames have started to die down and it looks to you like the coffin has been totally destroyed and you do not see 
a body or a corpse or anything moving through the flames. So, you know, you can never be 100% sure this is, you know, this is stuff that you don't, you really don't, there, there is no, there is no absolute assurity or assuredness, but to the best that you, you think you're going to be able to get, you feel like it worked. That's okay. good. <laughs> Guess it's time to flee. <laughs> Let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> All right. So the, so the three of you start sprinting through the forest. You're, you're taking, you're less caution now about uh, not being heard because there's so much commotion going on and the fire is raging. Teddy is Teddy is kind of leading the group and calling out, you know, she's like trying to pick out good pathways as you like scramble through the hills here. Um, and, you know, I, I, you're, you're all kind of running at different points. The, the flames start to pick up in one direction. And so you have to kind of cut around the outside and, and make your way back through the path. But you you get back to you get back to out of out of the hills and to your your SUV. What do you do? Let's get in. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's it. get out of here. So you all you all like rush to the rush to the car. You get in. Just, just to, just to make sure, a hundred percent. This is, we've got um, Gavin driving, Fabio in the in the passenger seat, and uh, and Teddy, Teddy in the rear with the uh, with the the assault rifle on our lap. Rifle as, across the yeah. yeah. yep. <laughs> Um And and Gavin speeds away down these dark, hilly Romanian roads and kind of out of the area. And so you are driving for about. 20 minutes or so you all can can see kind of through the rearview mirror that the the fire has continued to spread you haven't seen any sign that there are cars or you know a helicopter or anything like that chasing you so you feel like you've kind of gotten away to a degree and cell service kind of kicks back in as you get a little bit closer to civilization and all three of you, all three of your cell phones kind of ping at the same time. Though Fabio is probably best positioned to kind of pull out his phone and take a look at it. And you see that you have received an email from Harker. And it says, let's meet. And that is where we are going to end our story for right now. All right. <laughs> that was great. I was anxious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was super anxious going into that. That was good. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> This podcast was created using Knight's Black Agents, written by Kenneth Height and published by Pelgrane Press, and is based on an adventure written by Gareth Ryder Hanrahan called The Harker Intrusion. The podcast also uses material from The Dracula Dossier, written by Kenneth Height and Gareth Ryder Hanrahan, and music from Dustin Mirrors, written by James Semple. All of these are used under the Pelgrane Press Limited Community Use Policy. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the nature of my game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at NOMGPodcast.com. 